Progress. Okay, so we're up to Nun Aleph Amid Aleph, the second line. Uh, just to get us to the Mishnah, we're reminding ourselves, it was a Shaila yesterday, technically, from the Ksuba itself, in the Lashon of the Ksuba, it said that the obligation to support the daughters after the husband's death can only be taken from Karka, from actual land, but... Uh, Rav, uh, was it Rav Eloi said that in Usha where they were attacking that you could take it from movables as well and there was a Shaila of how do we paskin yes and no so the Gemara says like this there was a certain Yosem and Yosema they came in front in front of I believe it's Rava mine is cut out but I think it's Rava they came in front of Rava yes Rava Rava said give the Yosem more money more movable Metaltalin for his sister, meaning take money for the girl from movable uh, non non karka. So the Gemara says, "Amrle Rabban and Larava Hamarhu Damer Mekarkoivel and Metaltali Bein Lemazayni Bein Luksuva Bein Leparnasa." I thought Rava says that we only take out money from the father's estate for the girl. Only from land, not from movables, whether it's for the dowry, whether it's for the payment of the ksuba, whether it's for uh, parnasa. So why are you taking out movable? I thought you hold that you're only allowed to take out karka. So the Gemara says, Amr lahu ilu The answer is like this. You can't take out movable for the girl, but let's say the, the boy needs movable to pay the maid. Could he do that? Yeah, he could do that. He could use the movable to pay off expenses that, that is necessary for the household. So the girl that is the girl will take care of the house. So instead of looking at it as giving support for the sister, looking at it as payment for a worker. She's working anyway, right? Practically, she was cleaning the house, she was taking care of the house anyway. So instead of looking at it as just money for the sister, which is only allowed from Karka, we'll look at it as payment for a maid. And 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 let it be from Metaltali. So Rabbi said, in, in general, you're right, but in this case, she's taking care of the house. So let let her let her perceive it as a job, and she's allowed to be paid like any other job. Okay, Tanur Abanon, another uh, permutation of this machlekes of whether we take movable to uh, to pay off the uh, to to support the daughters. Tanur Abanon. Echad, so it's going to be a machlekes between Rebbe and Rishim Gamliel. Echad nechasim sheish lanachrayis. Nechasim sheish lanachrayis is land. That's it's equals land. Echad nechasim sheish lanachrayis, both land. Echad nechasim sheish lanachrayis and movable property. Maitzian lamazon isha. We take it out of the father's estate for his widow. Ulabanis and for his daughters. Divrei Rebbe. So you see, Rebbe holds that we go into the father's estate and we will not just take out land, we have the right to take out movable property to support the daughters as well. Okay. Rav Shimon Olazer disagrees. He says, no. Nechasim, Machrayis, if it's land, land we will. So land, Maitzin Labanos Min Habanim, we'll take out land to support the daughters to take it out from the son's estate. Or, by the way, what if there's just daughters? So if there's just daughters, so if there's sons, the sons get it and the daughters get supported from the sons. But if there's just daughters, it's split evenly. Let's say the oldest daughter took the whole thing. So then we'll take it from the oldest daughter to split out evenly. Because she, it's not right. Meaning anytime the other ones have a rightful, um, a rightful uh, uh, um, you know, uh, a right to it, we'll take it out for them. So if one daughter just grabbed the entire property, we'll take it out from that daughter to split out evenly. Lebanos. Or Lebanim and Abanim. Or amongst the boys. Let's say the, the third to oldest boy just took everything. So we'll go into his estate and we'll split it up. This is all land. 
Or let's say the daughters took it instead of the sons. So we know the halach is it goes to the sons and then it's given to the daughters enough for them to survive, but it's be'ikr by the sons. If the daughters took it first, we go into the daughter's estate and we take it and give it to the sons. This is all land. But if the daughters took it and it's not enough land, I mentioned this once, that the sons get it and then the daughters are supported, but if there's not enough to support them for one year, then Chazal were metak and it actually goes to the daughters. So if the daughters took it and it was not enough to support the entire family for a year, then the daughters were rightful, right for taking it, then the halacha is we let it be, because they were right for taking it. Lebanos minabonim ben chasim watim. Now that's all land. If it's movable, might We only take him a movable property if it's for a son amongst other sons. Meaning, one son just grabbed all of it against law and against halacha. Then we'll tell him, hey, settle down. We'll, we'll take out the the movable to split them amongst the brothers. Labanos minabanos, or if one daughter took it instead of all the other daughters, we'll take it out of her estate. Labanos minabanos, avlo labanos minabanos, but we will not go into movable property and support the daughters. Meaning, the entire point of this brisa is Rav Shimon ben Elazar holds we do not take movable property to support the daughters. So it's a machleika. So this shaila of whether we take movables to uh, money or other metaltali to support the daughters is a machleika in Rebbe and Rishim and Elazar. And how do we paskin? Even though generally we paskin like Rebbe when he's against another Tana, over here we pass like Rishim and Elazar that we do not take out metaltali for the daughter to Amar Rava Hilchasa Mikarkoi Vlo Metaltali Bein Luxuva Bein Lamazoni Bein Lamarnasa. The pesach is that for the daughter, for her dowry, for her financial support, or for the payments delineated in the ksuba, all of these we take out land and not movables. Now, if there is no land, then the bezin will figure out what to do. They'll probably take movables in that situation. But they, you don't have the right to just take movables first. You have to take land, and then they have to sell the land and, 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 and get money from that way. Okay. New Mishnah. The Mishnah says like this. Let's say a guy gets married, and he doesn't write her a It's against halacha. But let's say he doesn't write her a and then he dies. So the question is, can she collect? There was no ksuba. So the halacha is Yes. Even though there was no ksuba, she still is entitled to 200 zuz if she's a basula and 100 zuz if she's an almana. These are called tenai bezin. Basula gave masayim almana mana. They shoot tenai bezin. Meaning, the way the Gemara explains it, you can't just like avoid this. It's not something that like, well, if she wants the ksuba, she gets it. No, no, no. She gets the ksuba. She gets that amount. And even if he didn't write the ksuba, she gets it. Well, it's against halacha. They're not allowed to do this. But if, let's say, she, they got married and they never wrote a ksuba, and then the guy dies, she is entitled to 200 zuz. Even though it wasn't written. Because Chazal were metakin that you have to write a ksuba to protect the woman. If these people broke halacha, I mean, the point is the ksuba is not like a, any other financial document that if you don't have it, then she can't get the money. She's getting the money. So Chazal were metakin, you have to write the ksuba. So why do we say that you can't be together? Because that's how strict Chazal were. They want you to have a ksuba, and if you don't have a ksuba, you can't be together. But you're still going to get the money anyway. Correct. So then why do you need the ksuba? Because in order to keep the institution going, Chazal had to be strict. Because there's other things in the ksuba than the 200 zuz. That's mm-hmm. like the 
But the point is, Chazal wants you to have a ksuba. That's, that's not, they want you to have a ksuba and all the information. My point, the point of the Gemara is that the, the rights that she has at 200 zuz is not based on her holding a document. She's getting it. But you're going to see, it's a lot better to have the document. It protects her a lot more because there's a lot more things in the document than just the 200 zuz. But the point is, she's entitled to 200 zuz even without holding the document because it's called Tanai Bezdin. Chazal already decided she's getting the money. Now, Kosovo, that's halacha number one, and that's important. You're going to see, there's a, uh, uh, the Gemara is going to make a major contradiction between halacha number one and halacha number two. So halacha number one is that if she does not have a ksuba, she still gets the 200 zuz. Fine. Halacha number two. And the Gemara is going to understand, the Gemara's havamina is, that even if she says, I'm moichel, she can't be moichel. The Gemara is going to, maybe not, but, but, but the, the, right now we're saying that if she doesn't have the ksuba, she still gets the money. Okay, halacha number two. Let's say he has the ksuba, and in the ksuba, right, the 200 zoos, he writes in the ksuba, I'm giving you my land in Queens as payment. Now that land is worth 100 zoos. So in other words, he wants to write in the ksuba that he's paying off the 200 zoos debt with 100 zoos land. That's the, the lien on the property is on the 100 zoos. What's the halacha? No good. Um, and he doesn't write in the document that there's a lien on all the property. He just says, just property A. Property A is worth 100 zuz. The halach is chayv. He's chayv on the other 100. He's still chayv, 200 zuz. She has the right to take 200 zuz. She could take 100 and 100. She could take 200. She has the right to 200 zuz. Even if he wrote there's a lien on property A only, and property A is not worth 200, that doesn't mean that she only gets property A. She can say, I don't want the land. I want Correct. 100 cash. Correct. Well, yeah, they'll fit. Yes, potentially. But, but um, the point is that even though he wrote a lien on the document uh, on just one land, that doesn't make it that that's the only thing she collect. Now, the Gemara is going to ha- have a havamina from this that she could collect 200 zuz from all his other properties, which the Gemara is going to reject. But that, that would mean, the Gemara basically assumes that when the Mishnah says, he wrote a, a lien on property A, he's got like 10 fields, but he wrote a lien on property A only. Property A is worth 100 zuz. The Mishnah says, no good. Now, how do you understand that? The way I understand that, and the Gemara's conclusion, is that no good, he owes you $200 cash. The Gemara understands it to mean that she has the lien of the, that he actually, she actually can take any of the lands worth 200 zuz, meaning there's a lien on all the properties, which leads us into a much larger shaila, and that is that if you don't write a lien in the document, can we just have an assumed lien? That's a machleikas tanoyim, and the Gemara wants to assume perhaps our Mishnah is taking a side, because our Mishnah says she's chayiv. Now, I would say chayiv $200. I'm not saying a lien on the property. I'm just saying she, just, she gets the uh, full value. You know, it's not like because she's a lien on property A, all she gets is property A. No, she gets a full value. The Gemara understands it to say, the, that's the Gemara's conclusion, but the Gemara's havamina is that not only does she get full value, there's a lien on all the properties. I, you didn't write that. Assumed lien. Meaning, in other words, when you write a document, I owe you $500, normally you should write, and there's a lien on my property. Even if you didn't, assumed lien. That is a shaila in the Tanoim of do we say assumed lien on all the properties. The Gemara thinks that we're taking a side, which will be a contradiction. Okay, let's finish up. So, loy kosovo, okay, next one. Loy kosovo im tishdoboi afrikinoch v'osvinole le'intu. Another thing in their ksubas was it said that if you are taken ransom, I will redeem you and take you back as my wife. But let's say he didn't write that. Loy kosovo, if he 
did not write that in the Ksuba. If you're taken captive, Afrikinu, I will redeem you, into, and I will return you as my wife. Or, by a Kehenes, because by, that, that, by the way, they assume that means that she was violated. Now, by Yisrael, it's rape, so they're allowed to be together. Now, if, if the woman is marrying a Kayin, then the Lushan was. I will redeem you and return you back to your father's house. Meaning, I will redeem you and we'll get divorced. Because once she's violated, the marriage is over. If you did not write that, you're still chayiv. You still have to redeem her. Because it's an assumed obligation from Bezdin and you don't have the right to undo that. Okay? So that's, that's in effect today, you're saying? I think so. But it's not in Arksubis, but I believe, yes. Correct. It's not in Arksubis, but I believe it's the Tanai Bezdin continues even today. Uh, one last halacha, and that is, it's very funny. The Mishnah says like this, Nishbis chayv levdaisa. If a woman is taken captive, you have to redeem her. Let's say a guy hears his wife is taken captive and they want $200. And he's like, I don't want to go save her. Listen, he tells the messenger, here's a get. Here's her $200 cash for the ksuba. Let her take care of herself. No good. Can't do that. Once she was taken captive while you were married, you're obligated to take her out. You can't divorce her, give her ksuva money, and say, let her figure this out on her own. You're mechuyiv to go uh, to, to, to fix the problem. But, luxa chayv fosa. Another halach, and the Gemara is going to try to figure out what the difference is. One of the halachas is that if a, right, you, we don't say this, but take her in, uh, in health and in sickness and in health, right? If a woman is sick, you have to pay the medical bills of your wife. But, you find that your wife is sick and you're like, I can't deal with this right now. Here's her get, here's her ksuba that should cover the bills. You're allowed to do that. That you're allowed to do. Why the Gemara is going to try to analyze the Rishayim Shadayalis? What's the distinction? But, but you cannot do that. By redeeming, you can't do that. And if you find out she's taken captive, you can't just send a get with the ksuba money and say, right, let her... Sickness is not... Correct, yeah. that's the point. Sickness was not as much of a chiv as, uh, as, as taken captive. Okay. Now, here, until the Gemara on the two dots, is the only thing that's tricky, and it's not that hard. It was a little bit daunting when I saw the first time, but I realized it's not that hard. We have the two statements in the Mishnah. The Gemara is going to make assumptions about each statement, and because of those assumptions, there's going to be a contradiction. The Gemara is going to assume the answer... Those assumptions were not necessarily correct. Let, let's go through each one. Money, who authored the first statement? Again, the first statement was that if you do not write a ksuba, she's still allowed $200. Meaning, $200 is what she's getting. Whether you write the ksuba or not. Who, wrote, who authored that? And the Gemara assumes this means you can't be moichel on it. Now, the Gemara's conclusion is that who said she's moichel, right? The, the case of the Mishnah, the way I see it, and the way the Gemara's conclusion is, a woman comes forward and says, my husband just divorced me, I don't have a ksuba, can I please have my money? And the answer is yes. The Gemara understands it to mean she gets her money even if the woman's like, eh, it's okay though. She still gets the money. Now, that psak, that even if she wants to be moichel, she cannot, is a machleikas tanoim. Who authored this? That she cannot be moichel, it's Rav Meir. <coughs> Rameir says that if you give less than 200 zuz for a woman who's worth 200 zuz, or 100 zuz for a woman who's an almana, she can't be moichel. And if you give her less, we, we look at the marriage as if it was like znos. 
meaning it's usher to do this. So Rameir holds that there's no such thing as mechila. Rav Yehuda disagrees. He says, no. Rotza koisiv lebsula shtar shal masayim. Rav Yehuda says, you could write a ksuba of 200, vihi koisavis iskabalti muhammadah. And she could write a receipt for 100, even though she didn't get the money. She could just say, hey, I received 100. She could be moichal on the other 100. Or lamana mana. I don't think she could be moichal on the entire thing, but she could be moichal on half. Ksubasech iskabalti muhammadah. Okay, so the first statement that the Gemara understands from the Mishnah is that there's no distinction between her being Michael or not. In all scenarios, she gets 200 zuz. Who's the author of that? That's Rameir. So the first sentence of the Mishnah is authored by Rameir. Here's the problem. The second sentence of the Mishnah, which was that if... The second sentence of the Mishnah was that if you write, I have one land that's in Alin, the one land that is worth 100, the halacha is, she's still entitled to 200, and the Gemara assumes there's a lien on all the other properties. I, you didn't write it, assumed lien. Who holds assumed lien? Rav Yehuda. So the first sentence is authored by Rav Meir, and not Rav Yehuda, because our, our Mishnah assumes you can't be Michael, that's Rav Meir, not Rav Yehuda. But the second sentence, which implies an assumed lien on all documents, is Rav, Me- is Rav Yehuda, not Rav Meir. So the first sentence is Rav Meir, the second sentence is Rav Yehuda. That's the problem. So it's making assumptions. Again, assumption number one is that there's no dis- that when the first line of the Mishnah that she's entitled to 200, it means even if she's Michael, she's still entitled to 200. That's Rav Meir, not Rav Yehuda. The problem is the second sentence, which the Gemara is assuming to mean that when she is entitled to 200 and there's a lien on all the properties, even though it's not written, even though it's not written, there's a, a, a lien on all the properties, that was authored by Rav Yehuda. So the first sentence is Rav Meir, second sentence is Rav Yehuda. That's a contradiction. And as you can imagine, the Gemara is going to answer is that both assumptions are not necessarily correct. The entire Mishnah could be Rav Meir, and that there is a distinction between, um, um, that the entire Mishnah could be Rav Yehuda, and that the first sentence of the Mishnah that says you're entitled to 200 is when she's not Michael. If she was Michael, you, she can get less. Or the entire Mishnah could be Rav Meir, and when it says you have 200, it means not liens on the property. You're just entitled to $200. <laughs> and she'll have to get it, uh, take him to court. So the, 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 I don't understand what you're saying. What? What are you saying? If there's not a lien on the property, she's still entitled to it? Meaning, meaning like this. It normally, in the Ksuba, and this is true for other documents, it would say, you're entitled to $1,000, and there's a lien on all my properties, meaning you can collect from the properties together. Our mission is talking about a case where she's, he specifically omitted that. He said there's a lien on property A only. Now, property A is only worth half the value. So the Mishnah said you're still chayiv. The Gemara understands it to mean you're chayiv and there's a lien on all the properties. Meaning, even though it was omitted, eh, assumed lien. That's a broader shaila of whether we say assumed lien on financial documents. And that's a machloik as to Rameir and Rabbi Yehuda. Meaning, whenever you have a document that normally people write the lien on it, and you just happen to omit it, do we say that that omission was on purpose, or it was just a mistake? Rav Meir feels, it's a machleg, it's a man, Rav Yehuda. So the Gemara says, Ema Seifa, look at the second line. And the Gemara understands it means you're Chayiv 200, and there's a lien on all the properties. Why? Now, who authored that? That's Rav Yehuda, not Rav Meir. Rav Yehuda Shita is that a lien that's omitted is, is perceived as a mistake on the, on the part of the Sofer, and there's an assumed lien. So, according to Rav Yehuda, if you don't write a lien on the ksuba, you still there's a lien on all the documents, all the properties, and that's the gemara understands. So the first sentence is Rav Meir, not Rav Yehuda. The second sentence is Rav Yehuda, not Rav Meir. So that's the problem. Now, who is this? Where, where is this machlokas from? Dear Rav Meir, if it's Rav Meir, Rav Meir shita is that if you omit 
a lien, it's an omission. And there is no lien. You want a lien, you got to write it. You don't write it, no lien. How you get your money? You got to take them to court. And if there is no property, then it's going to be hard to get it. And, and you'll have to wait until he has cash. The Gemara says, Where is this machleikis or man of Yehuda of whether assumed lien on documents? Matzah Shtar says the Mishnah. If you find a letter of, uh, uh, a document that says, I owe you $100, you find it on the floor. And you say, yeah, it's actually, yeah, I owe him $100. Meaning you completely admit that it was not paid yet. Right. It says, uh, uh, it says Gavin owes Avi $100. And you're like, yeah, I, dr- I dropped it. It's not paid yet. I, you know. So you'd assume return it to Gavin. Why not? He's admitting he still owes money. The halach is no, we don't return it. Why? Says our mayor, if it says in the document that there's a lien on the property, we don't return it. Why? Because we're afraid that you are now you're going to get a ruse, meaning really you paid it already. But you want the lien on the property to be taken. Why? Because what happens when there's a lien on the property, that means that if you sold it, the sale can be undone. We're afraid that really you want your property back. So you're like, how do you get your property back? You don't care about the money. You just want the, you want, you want to go move back. You, you liked your old house. You thought you, it, so here's what you do. You pay the document, but you drop it. You tell them the guy it's not paid yet. So then he'll go collect the land because it's uh, there's a lien on the property, and then you split the the process. That's that's so that's the clever. So because of that, we will not allow you to return the document if there is a lien on the property. Now, if there is no lien, if there is no lien on the document, it's fine. Meaning, Rameer she is. If there's no lien, there's no assumed lien. If there's no lien, then it's just cash. And if you say you owe me money, then return it. Uh, the, what, what, the, there's no fraudster possibility. You're just hurting yourself. Rav Yehuda Shita is Rav Yehuda says no you can't return it either way why? because even when there is no lien there is an assumed lien meaning the point of this is you see that there is an assumed lien according to Rav Yehuda not according to Rav Meir so our Mishnah which, which implies that there is an assumed lien follows Rav Yehuda not Rav Meir the problem is the first line followed Rav Meir not Rav Yehuda now the Gemara wants to say maybe Rav Meir Shita which is that there's no assumed lien, even though our Misha says that, uh, implies that there is, maybe Rav Meir was only talking about regular documents, not ksubas. Why? I, I don't know. But maybe regular documents, there is no assumed lien, but ksubas there is. The problem is that's not true. The Gemara says, so Reish Rav Meir say for Rav Yudah v'chitei makul Rav Meir v'shani le Rav Meir b'en and don't tell me that there's a distinction between a ksuba and other documents, according to Rav Meir, it's not. Mishani le, there is no distinction. Vatanya, the Brisa teaches Chamisha Gaivim and Mukhararin. There are five scenarios where you cannot collect from land. No lien that exists. What are the five scenarios where there is no lien on the property? Number one, Paris Veshevach Paris. It's a whole complicated case, but basically the kids the case is like this. I steal land from Menasha, I sell it to Gavin. Uh, so you bought it for a thousand dollars and you improved it and you put in two hundred dollars worth of uh, you know uh, Construction, whatever. So you bought it for a thousand. You improved it. It's now you put in two hundred dollars, so and now it's twelve hundred. Menashe finds out that I stole it and sold it to you. So he goes, takes it. Right? He takes it. There's a lien on the property. He takes it. Um, so you're like, I, you got messed up. So I, as the robber, have to pay you a thousand dollars. The two hundred dollars you could collect, but there's no lien on my property. 
that you have to collect from movables only. Again, these are these are sugyas. So the actual thousand dollars, the principal you could collect, and there's a lien on my properties. But the two hundred dollars, there is no lien. Okay, that's example number one. Again, this is not a get to the last case. Hamakabel of Lozen has been ishtoy vas ishtoy. If you accept to support your stepchild, he cannot go into. There's no lien on your property to support him. Get chayiv shein lachrayis. Again, Rameir holds no assumed lien. Any document that you omit leaning, there is no lien. Okay, and the last one is huh? any document that says I owe you $100 and you don't write there's a lien on my property, there is no lien on the property. I Meaning you cannot go into someone's land if he sold it. A lien on the property means that if I owe you $1,000 on January 1st and then January 15th I sell that land, you can go and undo the sale. That's a lien on the property because your connection to that land preceded the, the, the thing. If you, Ramir Shita is, if you don't write that in the document, it doesn't exist. There's no assumed lien. Exactly. It doesn't work. The last case is, a ksuba that you don't write that in, it doesn't exist. So, our question is like this. You have the first two cases of the Mishnah. The rest of the daf is super easy. The first two cases of the Mishnah. Who doesn't write it in the buyer? Well, the buyer. Uh, the, the, well, if it's a if it's a sale and if it's a loan, then the the the, the lender, whoever, um, who, yeah, whoever whoever it wants to uh, whoever wants to collect the, collect. So so you have case number one, which is that the Mishnah said that if a woman doesn't have a ksuba, she still owed two hundred. And the Gemara assumed that meant even if she wants to be Michael, she can't. That's Rav Meir, because Rav Meir holds she could be Michael. Rav Yudol, she could be Michael. That's Rav Meir. So the first sentence, which implies that she cannot be Michael, is Rav Meir. The second sentence, which implies there's an assumed lien on all the properties, even though it wasn't written, that's Rav Yehuda. So the first sentence is Rav Meir, second sentence is Rav Yehuda. How do you, how do you make the two fit? The answer is, both assumptions are not necessarily correct. Iba Yisem Rav Meir, Iba Yisem Rav Yehuda. I could work it with according to everybody. Iba Yisem Rav Yehuda, Hasem Kosla Hiskabalti, Hachaloi Kosla Hiskabalti. Answer number one is that our entire mission is Rav Yehuda. And that's why if there's an assumed there's an assumed lien, what was the problem? The first sentence said that if she doesn't have Iksuba, she still gets two hundred. I I thought review this says she could be Michael. The answer is Ark Mishnah is talking about a case where she's not Michael. Yeah, if she wants to be Michael, she could. That's not what the Mishnah is talking about. The Mishnah is talking about a case where she wants all the money, she just doesn't have Iksuba. Rav Yehuda was referring to a case where she shows up and she's like, listen, he said 200 in the Ksuba. I, I, I already got 100. I'm Michael and 100. Rav Yehuda holds it. That's fine. I, our mission doesn't say that. Our mission never says that she's Michael. Our mission just says she's entitled to 200. Who said she's Michael? If she wants to be Michael, she could. But if she doesn't want to, she can't. She doesn't have to be. That's the point. So our mission can work with Rav Yehuda. Why did the mission grab off the Alameen of Because the mission seems to, like, the Gemara understands that the mission is sort of binary. She always gets 200. And the Gemara's like, even if she's Michael. And the Gemara's like, no. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very strange Havamin because the Gemara, the mission never said anything about her being Michael. But the mission just said she's entitled to 200. And the Gemara understood that to mean she's always entitled to 200 and there's no way to go less than 200, meaning she can't be Michael. And the Gemara's answer is she could be Michael. The second answer is, The second answer is also very simple. That is, our mission could work entirely according to our mayor. I, our mission said that you're high of 200. And that we assume that means that there's a lien on all the properties. The answer is there is no lien on all the properties. And you're high of 200 from movables. That's another simple, simple answer. We said that you're high of 200. Duh. And the Gemara assumed. That means there's a lien on all the properties, but it's not written in. Oh, assumed lien. The answer is no, we never said, we just said you're high of 200. 
Which is, meaning, in other words, what's the case of the Mishnah? You wrote there's a lien on property A only, and property A is only worth 100. You were, in other words, you were trying to get out of paying 200, or mayor holds you can. You're high of 200. Where do you get that 200? From cash. <laughs> yeah, the, Ramea, because Ramea doesn't hold, there's an assumed lien on all the property. Okay. Um, from here into the rest of the, 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 the end of the is very simple, and that is, um, the, the Mishnah... The Mishnah said that in the Ksuba it used to say that if a woman is taken captive, if a woman is taken captive, um, he has the responsibility to redeem her and he would take her back. I, she, we assume she was violated. The answer is uh, the wife of Yisrael, it's considered rape. If she was violated, then, then she's allowed to stay together. Avu de Shmuel had this interesting shita, which I, I'm not going to get into the psychology of it, but Avu de Shmuel's shita is... Any woman who's who's a married woman who's attacked, who's raped, she can't stay with her husband. Why? Because we assume that maybe the end of the act, there was an element of it, and therefore it's not considered full rape to begin. Meaning the Gemara is going to explain. Again, that, that, the Gemara is going to explain the only way, according to Avu the Shmuel, I, there's a, here's the problem. The problem with Avu the Shmuel is that there is psukim that imply that if a woman is raped, she's allowed. The Pasuk is by a Sota. The Pasuk says by a Sota that she says, I was not violated, meaning I did this act willingly of adultery. The implication of that Pasuk is that if she was violated, she's muttered to her husband. So Avud can't argue on a Pasuk. So the Gemara is going to explain Avud in that scenario, the only way it's fine is if you have witnesses that hear her screaming or pr- protesting from beginning to end. But if there is no witnesses that protest from beginning to end, Avud is concerned that the end of the act would have been an element of it, Baratzen, and therefore the marriage is off. That's Avud Shita. It's a straight. But first of all, by the way, we don't pass like this for two reasons. First of all, we assume that it is considered um, there's no Ratzen from beginning to end. Also, we pass that even if there is Ratzen at the end, it's fine because it, 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 she didn't... It, that, that would have been... Um, C- correct. Uh, the, the, the Gemara is going to explain that even, if, and I think psychologically as well, uh, probably, a woman would probably feel very ashamed if there was an ele- any element of Ratzin. Any Ratzin that would be felt at the end of the act would have been against her will. I mean, it would have been because the act already started. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not, uh, it, it wasn't Ratzin to start. So even if there was uh, a pleasure that happened, that, that pleasure was only started by Oynes. So it's, it's still considered Oynes from beginning to end. Um, so how this works with that sugya of Isha Karkaulam, I, I don't know. Maybe it's talking about a case where she actually, she actually moved. I, I don't know. The, the good Shiloh. I don't, I don't know how Avud works with any of that. Uh, oh, Taisa says, no, uh, says it's a He's not disagreeing with the uh, over there, meaning over there, we know that there was no taiva. Yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess, I don't know how that works with uh, with Karko. Maybe some of the case with it, she actually moved, I don't know. So, we, again, we don't pass him, we reject it very quickly. So the Gemara says, Eisve, Rav lov v'udashmuel, Rav asa v'udashmuel, im tishdeboi afrakinu v'asvinoch le'intu. It says in the Ksuba, if I will redeem you from taking captivity, we'll go back to being married. <laughs> Even if you're violated, you're allowed. So Ishtik, he was quiet. Kari Rav Allah de Vashmuel and Rav said about Avud Vashmuel, Sarim Otsur B'milim V'kaf Yasimilu Pihem. That um, that uh, was a, I think it means that basically you know, you're 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 proven uh, the ministers prove you wrong. I just want to get the actual translation of the pasuk um, here. The Gemara says. Um, 
the Pasuk says, in Eov, ministers would withhold their words and place their hands to their mouth. Okay. Meaning, he, he, he quieted Avud Shmuel. So, how does Avud Shmuel answer that? Again, Avud Shmuel holds that every, every oinus is usr. Our Mishnah clearly states that if you were taken captive, he has the responsibility to redeem her, and they go back to being married. So, what's going on? The answer is, the Gemara says, my Islam, what could the answer be? Perhaps over there it's different. Over there you don't actually know that she was attacked. You just know she was taken captive. Avushmul's case is where you saw she was being attacked. So maybe we're Makel in the case of captivity because we don't actually know that she was violated. But if you knew she was violated, it would be awesome. Okay. But the Gemara says, According to Avushmul, then what's the case where a woman's attacked and she's allowed to be with her husband? Because as I said, it's from Sukkim. The answer is, the only time where it will be mutter is if there are witnesses that see that she was screaming and protesting from beginning of the act to the end of the act. Now the Gemara says, Uplika de Rava. Avud the Shmuel is not like Rava. Dama Rava, and this is how he paskin. Kol shatchil ase ba'aynes. Usayf barats an afilo emeris. Meaning, Rava Shita is that any attack that starts off ba'aynes, even if it's baratzen at the end, it's still mutter. Why? Because the rotsin is not is not is not baratzen. She only has rotsin because she's in an act that she didn't want to be in anyway. So it's all perceived as onus. Uh, even if she says in the at the end of the act, muteris. Even at the end of the act, she says, "Let it be. I I, I would have paid uh, to to be with this man." Even if she were to say that, it would still be mutter. Why? Yotzer albasha because the Yitzhahara got her. Meaning she didn't want to have those feelings. Those feelings only happened because she's in the act, and the act was against her will. So it's it all starts from Inus. Tchilas the Gemara says, Tani Kavasi de Rava. We have a Bryce that backs up Rava, that if the act was started off to be rape, it doesn't matter what happens afterwards, it's still considered rape in halacha, and she's allowed to be with her husband. Because the Pasuk says, by a sota. Again, the source that a rape by Yisrael is allowed to be with her husband is because the Pasuk says, by a sota, she's saying, when she's, she's saying that about her adultery, he loinispasa, I was not violated. Meaning, I did this willingly, and, uh, and uh, that would be the death penalty. The implication is, hanispasa, Muteris. If she was violated, she would be allowed to be with her husband. She wouldn't have to drink the waters. Then the Brisa says, And there's one cape where even though it wasn't rape, it's still allowed. A case of the beginning of being Aynas, the end of being Rats, and the Brisa says is not technical rape in Halacha because it ends that way, but it's Allah, it's rape in Halacha regarding that she's allowed to be with her husband. So the Brisa clearly says she's allowed to be with her husband. So is Mutter. The Gemara. We, we That's how we pass him, yes. Tani Idoch, another Brisa says, Nispasa Asura. She says, I was not violated, and that's why it was adultery. Nispasa, if she was violated, Mutaris. She's allowed to be with her husband. But there's another woman, There is a woman who, even if she's raped, it's Asur. That's the wife of a Kayan. She says, I was not violated, and therefore I'm Asr because it was adultery. That means if she was violated, it's Mutter. But there's another woman who's a married woman that even if it was Baratun, it's Mutter. What's the case of a married woman who commits adultery and it's Mutter? It's, like, it's a riddle, but it's not a really fair riddle. What's the case of a married woman that does baratz and that's mutter? The case is where she wasn't really married. The, the case is where she did kedushet tos, meaning she married a husband, but there was a problem with the kedushin, so she was never really married. So she thought she was 
married. So she did adultery, but it wasn't adultery because she wasn't actually married. That's a case where she's allowed to go back to her first husband because she was never married to that man. So it's, it's like, what's the case where a woman commit adultery and go back to her husband? The case is where she was never really married to her husband. Meaning she marries A, but there was a problem with the Kedushan. She, she may not have even been aware of that, but there was a problem with the Kedushan, so she, she was never married to A. She has adultery with B, but it's not really adultery because she's never really married. She finds this out, then she can go back to A because she was never married to A. That's, that's, that's the case. Okay, one last sukkah. A woman who's taken captive by thieves, she's allowed to be with her husband because we assume that even if she was violated, even if she lived with them, it was rape. Meaning, if a woman is taken captive, we assume it's rape. Here's the shayla. What if there are witnesses that say that they, they saw this woman bake, bake bread for the, the captives? The Gemara assumes that if they're baking bread for them, then they're clearly affection. The answer is they're doing it out of fear. They're making arrows for them. They're working in the, you know, making ammo. The answer, it's against for fear. The Gemara says, the only time it would be a problem is if the captives let them go and they decide to stay. If the captives let them go and they decide to stay, then it's no longer rape, then it's considered a baratzen. If the captives say you can go home and they're like, yeah, we'll stay here, full Stockholm Syndrome, then it's considered... Right, so Stockholm I, I, I don't know if they knew about Stockholm Syndrome. If the people, if the people are allowed to leave and they say, "I'd rather stay here than go back to my house," then it's no longer. You can't say it's it's, it's rape anymore. How could be they're willingly staying there? It's like kasher vati avadi. Once it's willing, it's willing. Let's just finish up the sugi. Tanar abanan shvuyim malchus harein kashvuyim. The brayzer says that if a woman is taken by the king, that's considered rape, and she's allowed to be with her husband. But if she's taken by listus by thieves, it's it's a problem. Meaning, because we assume it's not rape. That means if she's taken by the king. By the king, the king takes her. Then, then to be with the king, that's that's considered rape, and she's allowed to be with her husband because it's against her will. But listus. But if she's taken by thieves, it's a problem because we assume that she did it willingly. So the question is. We have the opposite. We we have a verse that says, "By the king, it's okay. The king, it's a problem." Listus is mutter. So the Gemara answers like this: The answer is when it comes to kings, it depends what type of king. You see, Achashverish, every woman that he took was considered rape because they all knew there was no concern. Here's the shaila: a woman is taken by the king. Why aren't we concerned that part of her is like? You know, you can become a queen. It's pretty, you know, I, I, obviously, you know, it's not the romantic thing, but like, why aren't we concerned that there's a part? How do you know that it's Bainus? Yes, it, it, she was summoned to the king, but she becomes the queen of England. Like, that's a pretty cool position. The answer is, it depends what type of kingdom. If it's Achashverish, where he had many, many queens, and you knew you would never become the main queen, it was just being taken as a concubine. Then it's considered rape. But Ben Netzer, Ben Netzer was like Genghis Khan. The way they describe him is he was like a, a like a thief turning into a kingdom. With there, we're actually concerned that it would be Baratzon because there's a chance you could become the queen of Genghis Khan, Mongolia. So because Ben Netzer, there was a chance that you could actually become in charge, then we're concerned... A big king, it's that you knew with Ahasuerus, he had his ten queens. You knew, you knew that this was nothing. This was nothing. This is just a concubine. But Ben Netzer, Ben Netzer, 
apparently based on the, it was like a not Genghis Khan because he was a Shogunov, but but I'm getting better so it's probably crazy. But the point is over there, it was an up and coming king, and there was a chance that you could actually become the queen of a very very large. Then we're concerned. This also answers pirate. the thievery. Like, like a pirate. Yeah, but like a big pirate. The Aziz also answers the thievery contradiction. Listen, so listen, like Asha, Hoppe Ben Netzer, Hoppe, listen, when one the Bryce has said that it's a problem by thieves, that's talking about Ben Netzer. The other Bryce that talks about thieves being uh, okay because it's rape, that's talking about just your stomp thief, uh, not the king of thieves. So the Gemara says, Ben Netzer, Hassan Karli, listen. So the, the same Ben Netzer, one Bryce is called a king and one Bryce is called a thief. How do you reconcile? The answer is, it's true. Gabi Achashverish, listen, Su, Gabi, listen, Talmud, Melachu. Compared to Achashverish, he's a thief. Compared to a thief, he's a king. I will stop here.